Hello and welcome to a Committed Life Podcast, Episode 8. Ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to be discovering and talking about what it means to be truly committed. And, and that was a question for me in the beginning of all this. What does it mean to be truly committed? And this is a, it's really a quest that I actually stumbled into when I decided to get healthy and have bariatric surgery. I, I wanted to become more committed in all aspects of my life, but I really wasn't sure how, how I was going to tackle this undertaking. So I do what, like as an educator, I do what educators do. We ask questions, and by asking questions, we find answers that help guide us. So there are three questions that I learned to ask myself. What's it mean to be fully committed? That was a big one. Number two, can I fully commit to more than one thing at a time? Because let's be realistic, I knew I had a ton of problems. And, and the third thing was, where do I start? So I had to ask myself those three questions in order to get going and really figure out where I wanted to get, get to. So these questions became the start of what is now a Committed Life podcast and my morning messages on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And, and they're all rooted in my mantra that when your commitment is greater than feelings, you get results. And that's really, you know, goes all rolls into what a committed life podcast is all about and what my quest for a committed life is. So when I started, I mean, truly started, it was probably October of 2019. I'd started some stuff in July of 2019, just eating right, really, not really exercising, but just eating right and, and um, cutting back my my food intake and and just getting steps in. So, um, but when I really got going and really became committed to something, I, I committed myself in October 2019 to to being done with chewing tobacco. I'd done it since I was nine years old. I was now at that point what 46, I think. So I'd done it for way too long, and and I really decided I was going to commit to it. And at the same time, not because I had chosen to do that, but by, because my doctor kind of got on me about doing it, was I gave up coffee. And I, and I knew in my heart, though, that if I could give up chewing tobacco, because I tried so many times to give up and never quit, maybe the longest I ever lasted was a couple months, I knew if I could get committed and get through that, and I could do it for a year, that I could quit for good. Like, I just, I knew that in my heart. And so... When I, you know, like I said, coffee got through into that. I stayed focused and committed. And over two years, um, you know, later, I, I'm still tobacco free and, and was to, and was nicotine, it was not nicotine, was caffeine free for two years. Now I'll still occasionally have some caffeine, but nothing like I was before. So, and I'll never drink coffee again. But as great as this feels, it's just one thing, and it was hardly a committed life, right? So I keep talking about I wanted to live this more committed life. I wanted to have a committed life. So the next step was to tackle the, my biggest, what I felt was my biggest issue, and that was my eating and nutrition. You know, at this point, I was weighing pretty dang close, I mean, damn close to 600 pounds. And even though I was watching my weight and food but wasn't really exercising, I, I really that was just a sign there that I wasn't truly committed until I decided on bariatric surgery. And if you think that bariatric surgery is an easy way out, you'll find out what commitment really is if you visit those who have, who have gone through the process of bariatric surgery. Before I could even have surgery, I did tons of research um, and, and, uh, on what the different types of surgery was and how it was going to go and what it was like and, 
and um, you know which surgery is best for what conditions. And you know, I even uh, talked to uh, Matt Hoover, who who uh, had had who was had this was getting ready to have the surgery, or who had had it. Uh, Matt Hoover was on the Biggest Loser, and and uh, was kind enough. To uh, I, I just reached out to him on Facebook, and he was kind enough to answer my questions and really put me at ease and made me understand that I needed to do this surgery, and not because he told me so, but because of some of the analogies and things that he equated it to, and it really was a life-saving moment for me. So before I could have surgery, I had to go through a, I had to go through a lot of hoops, right? You, there's lots of things you have to do. There's different phases and stages. And so I had to attend a seminar regarding surgery, you know, and that involves insurance and, and you know, they try to give you some guidance about, about uh, what's best for you and, and your different options. I had to fill out a lot of questionnaires. I spent about eight months um, going regularly to uh, a bariatric center and in a hospital, a total weight loss center in, in uh, North Kansas City. Fantastic people. Dr. Berghoff did my surgery. Um, did a, ph- a phenomenal job. The dietitians there and nutritionists there, um, just phenomenal people. Um, have a passion for what they do and just treat you with uh, so much respect and and uh, just great people. Um, but so you know, I met with these dietitians and these doctors and the psychologists and nutritionists, and I would track my food intake and my and I had to start exercising. That was a big key to this. Um, you know, my, I, I had to track my sleep, but you know, I, I would journal and all these things were, were easy things when, and at the end of the day, the hardest things and the hard part was the weeks before and after surgery with a liquid diet. Now, as a wrestler, I felt like I could always do anything, right? I, I, I just, I think wrestlers have that mentality, which is partly kind of what got me into trouble with my obesity because I knew I, if I really focused, I could drop a ton of weight when I needed to, but I think it made things a little easier for me, but it was hard. Like you, you go to you know eating crappy foods all the time, and you you get focused on you know eating better, and then you do better of eating better. But then before surgery, a couple of weeks before, you've got to start on a liquid diet, and and generally, I think it's generally two weeks ahead of time they have you do that. Well, my surgery got delayed twice because of COVID. So I actually went about four weeks or six weeks on a liquid diet. I didn't have to. I just chose to do that. Um, It was partially for mental toughness. It was partially to help me a little bit, um, just get in the groove and find out what I liked and didn't like. Um, But that's one of the things that you have to do. And that's hard when your family's sitting around and they're eating food, you know. So... um, so I, and then once you have the surgery, you have to continue this. You have to still have these these liquid diet for a while and reintroduce foods into your system, and you're eating minuscule amounts, right? Uh, you're and, and then you you've got the the uh, you got to learn how to eat and drink again, all over again. Something you've done your entire life, you literally have to learn how to do it again. You can't drink the same. You can't eat the same. There's a feeling you get when you've eaten too fast or eaten too much or drank too fast or drank too much, and that incredible discomfort is almost crippling. And you can, I mean, you can throw up. They, I think they, they call it GERD, but it's, it's, I've been in situations where it's made me so sick I've had to throw up, and uh, it's, it doesn't give you instant relief either. It'll go on for, it could go on for hours, um, and it's just, you're miserable. It is not fun. Um, so you, you really have to focus on that. And, and, the, and one of the things before the surgery and then after the surgery is you, I had a legitimate fear that I'm going to screw this up. 
So you're forced into a commitment with the surgery because you have no choice. And so that's not a real commitment in some ways, some people would say, because you're forced into it because of the surgery, but you are because you have no other choice. So you, you get committed right away. So that surgery is a tool, but it's up to you to continue it. It's up to you to do the right things. So I had conquered tobacco. I had become a person who had, had to learn to eat better. Uh, but but I, was I living a committed life? Not even close at that point. I, I wasn't at a committed life just yet. I was learning that you could be totally and truly committed to more than one thing, though. But I was also realizing that a committed life was much deeper and wider than I ever could have imagined. To me, in the beginning, I thought being, uh, you know, being committed to something, I, I you know, okay, I, I can be committed to it, right? I, I can, I can do that. But w- what I started to realize is that uh, I, I had to look at it from a bigger picture. And another part of my life, I wanted to attack, and, and that, that if I really was going to be healthy, was I had to start attacking my attitude. And, and I was learning that my outlook was pretty negative in part because of what I'd done to myself with what I was eating and also once once I had the surgery, um, you know, I'd given up tobacco. I had, I had to learn how to be a human um, that lost two of his biggest coping mechanisms, you know, which was, was eating and, and, uh, and uh, chewing tobacco. And I was about to lose the third one because in 2020, when I, a couple of weeks before I had my surgery, I had my last drink and, uh, all three of those things had made me a different person, right? So over time, I'd added these things. I'd become a food addict, you know. I'd become a, I'd, be, I, I was addicted to tobacco, and I, and I, I wouldn't say I was addicted to, to drinking, but I, I was, I would drink. I'd have a drink or two when I came home at night, especially after a tough day. It would just calm me down, and um, you know, all those things made me a different person. And now with, without them, even though I was feeling better. Um, because of what I was doing with my diet and I didn't have those toxins in my body, I had more clarity, but my patience was short. My mood swings were initially more drastic because I, I didn't know how to cope with all these things. And I, was, I really think I was a better person, but I just didn't know how to cope. I didn't have the coping mechanisms I needed anymore. And um, I didn't, I didn't you know, build in those supports for myself. So in the course of the year, I'd given up tobacco, booze, my food addiction, and I, I wasn't mainlining coffee anymore, drinking 100 ounces of it a day, and that's not an exaggeration. I was easily drinking that a day. I, I had become more committed, but in the process, my friendships were changing, and my life at work was much different. The staff around me at work was suffering through my struggles, and I couldn't see it because I was so deep into all these changes and, and I was so committed and focused onto the, onto the change itself that there was really no way to avoid it. But I, I mention it because the quest to a committed life is, is a sacrifice, and it's a lesson in perseverance and adversity. And you're not always going to be able to see what's going on around you when you're that focused on a goal. Now, some people will say that's a bad thing, and yeah, it, it, it had some negative effects, but I needed that to get where I am now. So this this leads to the next commitment, and 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 that was to have a positive outlook, not just a good attitude. I, I was going to become committed to spreading positivity into the world in order to keep me on track each and every day. That was that was a focus for me. That was something I knew I had to do, and and it also became an accountability piece for me, and it still is to this day. I I needed this. 
Uh, and, and I needed that. You know, this, this is how my morning messages got started on social media. And that happened, you know, oh, well, over a year after I, I had my surgery, um, I decided I was going to post a morning message on social media and, and I was going to start this Committed Life podcast, which took me a little longer to get going. And, and it was just, it was, uh, an a- this aspect was taking the idea of a committed life to another level, right? Um, it was the next thing in the progression. I had to determine where I wanted to go next and I was allowing this Committed Life podcast and all these changes in my life to help navigate and figure out what I needed to do next. So I began to think about uh, I began to think about how just a couple of months or years before this moment that I, I could I couldn't be totally committed and truly committed to much anything. I, I didn't have the energy, the desire, the the even even the hope that uh, that commitment to anything mattered. I'll say my life was pretty dark. I wasn't considering suicide by by any means, but I didn't care if something happened to me and my life were to end. I, I, you know, okay, so it would happen. You know, it'd be relief. Honestly, I was that miserable, and this is so sad, so sad, and probably without a doubt my rock bottom. I, I have plenty of, to live for. I had a wife that loves me, and she's a superhero of a woman. I, I have two wonderful uh, stepdaughters that are that are you know f- friends of mine. I really feel now that that we're friends. I, I'm I'm not their dad, but uh, we are close friends. And 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 then they each have two children, and and uh, and I had a beautiful home and a terrific job. But the lack of commitment commitment in my life had perpetuated feelings of depression and uselessness, and I had no idea. That commitment was what I really needed. None at all. Like commitment was the answer, but I didn't know that. I was I was stuck in the mire. I was I was seeing nothing more than than the misery I was living through. And so that commitment, once I got committed to something, man, things began to change. I've currently gotten back to my passion as a school leader. And, and I believe, you know, I've become more focused on my vision of creating a school where the staff and the students walk the halls and feel kindness and, and emanating from their, from their peers and where they feel the desire to become the best version of themselves that they can be, um, where a growth mindset's the norm for, for everybody and not the exception, where everyone's learning every day and where relationships are at the root of everything we do, Right down to the essential outcomes we have for each of our students. So all this commitment, right? I had I, I, all this commitment that I had in my life, you know, and it was finally starting to work its way back into my profession where, you know, years earlier, I, I was, I felt very good about it. I, I felt driven and man, I, three years into the job, I was not driven anymore. And it wasn't because I didn't care. It wasn't because I, uh, I didn't want to be great necessarily, but I wasn't committed, and I had so much working against me. Right, I had all these mechanisms that were my coping mechanisms that weren't healthy. You know, I I, I was physically not healthy, so all those things were going in the wrong direction for me, and I didn't realize I needed commitment. So I want to go back to those three questions that I mentioned earlier. The first one was, "What's it mean to be fully committed?" Well, bottom line is you've got to be ruthless in the pursuit of what you want and nothing can get in your way. 
People talk about ruthless like it's a bad word. I don't think ruthless is always a bad word. I want to be ruthless and savage in my pursuit to get my goals to reach them. I have to fight my inner demons and I've got to be truly committed. Nothing can stand in my way. So that, you know, that's that's what it means to be fully committed. The second question was, can I be fully committed to more than one thing at a time? My answer is yes, I can, but but I have to start with one thing before I can have more than one thing. Does that make sense? I can't start and say, I'm going to be fully committed to this, 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 and this. Well, here's the deal. You haven't been a committed person your whole life when it comes to, it comes to things like addiction, right? Or things that, you, that have been problems for you. You haven't been committed to those things. So you can't just all of a sudden cold turkey say, I'm going to be committed and this is going to work and it's going to be fantastic. It doesn't happen that way. You've got to commit yourself to one thing. One thing, build some confidence, build some success, and then you add another thing. Once you become totally committed to one item, then you can add another to become totally committed. And that was kind of the story I was giving you guys as I was going through some of the things that I've become committed to over the years. So that's that's question two. Can I be fully committed to more than one thing at a time? Question three, where do I start? Where do I start? So Again, I kind of already touched on this. I set one goal. And then around that one goal, that's a big goal, right? I build a foundation of several small goals and actions that I can take that will get me there. Okay? Supporting goals that will get me there. You know, daily habits that are positive that will help me get to that goal. So that's where I start. And I start with one thing. Not 10 things, not three things, but one thing, okay? I can guarantee you right now, I'm more committed to more things than I have ever been in my entire life, and I'm 48. I wasted a lot of years not being committed. But now that I am, boy, do I feel happy, okay? Boy, do I feel better. Does this mean I live a committed life? Not yet. Not yet, but it does mean I'm in pursuit of that goal. Little by little, inch by inch, one day, one hour, one minute at a time, I'm committed to the goals of being committed. I'm committed to the idea of having a committed life. I'm committed to the pursuit of having a committed life. I don't know if I'll ever reach that moment where my life is a totally committed life on all levels, in all things. But I'm not sure I want to get there because the pursuit of a committed life is, in my mind, a task that should constantly be changing and evolving to become the best version we can be. So if I can get to that point and I'm at my best self, then I'm done learning. I'm done growing. I'm done focusing on goals. I don't ever want to be that way because I wasted too much of my life not focusing on those things, not living a committed life. So when I I, I want to I want to remind you, you know, I lacked commitment, and that's the root of my problems. I could never get committed. So to wrap this up this week, remember that when your commitment is greater than your feelings, you get results, people.
Have a great week. Hope this inspires someone. Hope it motivates them. If it doesn't, it sure motivated me to get it off my chest. Makes me feel better. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week on a Committed Life podcast.